this morning, starting in 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13, we're going to be there at verse 1. Wednesday nights, we started a new uh, teaching on the book of Galatians. If you've never gone through the book of Galatians before, never read it, never studied it, come on up here, or I guess you can follow us online, and uh, you can uh, learn a lot about what, you, what, uh, what we believe about Jesus Christ, why we do what we do as Christians, and there's a lot of good stuff. We're actually, right now, lo- looking at the early life of Paul and what he was doing that led him to write the book of Galatians. All right, so 1 Kings chapter 13, 1 Kings chapter 13, 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Now, what's going on here? Let me give you the backstory. So the kingdom, the Israel, has been split into two kingdoms. After Solomon died, his son took over, and the kingdom split. There was a northern kingdom, and there was a southern kingdom. Now, that southern kingdom was run by Judah and Benjamin, and what was going on in uh, the southern kingdom was is that you had Jerusalem in the southern kingdom. Well, that's where God had commanded them by His word, you go worship me in Jerusalem. You do your sacrifices in Jerusalem. You come up here three times a year in Jerusalem. So when the kingdom split and they were fighting with each other, it's like a battle between the north and the south in the Civil War. When they, they split, well, Jeroboam here, he's the leader, the king over the northern kingdom. He doesn't like them going down to Jerusalem. That's the southern kingdom. He says, i got to do something about this. So what he did is he created two golden calves, and he brings these golden calves out, and he says, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. Sound familiar? That's what Aaron did when Moses was up on the mount. These are the gods that brought you out. So they start sacrificing at this altar, and he builds this altar to these false gods. God doesn't like that. So he's in a process of doing that, and then this young prophet shows up, verse 2, and he cried again against this young prophet. He cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, now notice, I'm going to keep pointing this out. He's saying he cried against the altar in In the word of the Lord. This wasn't this young man's ideas. This wasn't this young man's political views. This wasn't this young man's opinions. This was the word of the Lord. He's being told by God, you go down there and you say this. And you speak this in my name. So that's, it's in the word of the Lord. And said, this is what he said. Oh, altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born into the house of David. Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. Now that prophecy didn't take place for another 300 years. But what he's prophesying is there's going to be men's bones are going to be burnt on this altar. It's going to be destroyed. Verse 3, and he gave a sign the same day saying, this is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Remember, he's, all he's doing is giving the Lord's words. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it should be poured out. He said, if this is going to come to pass, this altar is going to break in half and all the ashes are going to come out, is what he's saying there. If this is true, and this is the sign. So verse 4, and it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, lay hold on him. And his hand which he put forth against him dried up, so that he could not pull it again into him. Wow, so... Jeroboam gets mad at that prophet that's prophesying against his altar, and he lifts his hands up. He goes, hey, go get that guy right there. And he, as soon as he lays, raises his hands up, his hand all withers up like this. Wouldn't that scare you? 
That would scare me. My, one of my favorite verses, uh, understated verses of the Bible is in Acts whenever they came in and they were lying to Peter and the Holy Ghost. And they start lying and said, how much did you sell that land for? We sold it for this much, which they didn't have. They could tell whatever, but they lied about it. What happened? It said that they just dropped dead right there. Boom. Then the wife comes in later and said, how much did you sell that land for? And she said, so-and-so. And, so. and she lied. And then he said, why are you lying to me and the Holy Ghost? And boom, she drops down dead. And they carried her out. You know what the Bible says? Great fear fell upon the church. Well, I bet so. Can you imagine? Hey, brother so-and-so, how much did you, how much did you put in an offering plate? I put in $1,000. Well, I think you put in $500, and he just drops dead right there. Everybody be pulling out their wallets. Praise God. I better get some. Great fear, great fear fell on that. Yeah, I bet so. So that's what happens. You know, here's the king, and here's this prophet, and he goes, hey, go get him. And about that time, his hand withers up. Mm. Verse 5, the altar also was rent. There's, that, there's a prophecy being fulfilled as far as the sign. The altar was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. It's not this young man's opinion, this young man's idea, this young man got fed up with it. God got fed up with it, and God sent him with his word to preach this. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm stressing this because you're going to get it in a minute why this is so important. And the king answered and said unto the, the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it were before. He said, pray for me. Pray, ask God to do something about my hand. And the, the young man, he says, he says, let me pray. And he prayed to ask the Lord, Lord, heal this man up. And that, that king's hand came back to him. This impressed the king. Verse 7, And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me, and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. No preacher should be looking for a reward. And that includes all the preachers you see on TV. They're the worst of it. Always running some phone number at the bottom where you can call and give your tithe, give this money, give your seed offering. No preacher should be looking for a reward. And this guy's trying to get him to come home. And he said, Come on home, and I'll give you a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thy house, thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Why not? Well, here's the answer, verse 9. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord. So he has God's words. And he's preaching God's words. And he's following God's words. For it was charged me by the word of the Lord saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. So when he was going down there, God told him and gave him his words. And God says, Go down and say this, and you say that, and you don't stay, and you don't eat with anybody, you don't drink with anybody, and you get back down out of Bethel. That's exactly what God told him. That's why he told the king, I, If you gave me half your house, I can't come and eat with you. God told me in his word... By his word, not to do that. He's a great man of God. He's a great young man of God. Well, he makes a mistake. And that's the whole reason I'm preaching this sermon. Look at verse 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, an old preacher. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. Everything we just read. The words, the words which he had spoken unto the king, them that told they told also to their father. The words that he preached were the Lord's words. Keep that in mind, guys. Verse 12. And their father said unto them, What way, what way went he? 
For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. So he said, this man of God came down, he does this, the king's hand withered up, he heals the king's hand, but he went down this way. And that old prophet's like, I want to meet this kid. Verse 13. And he said unto his sons, saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass and he rolled thereon. Let me say something. Because I was a young preacher at one time, not so young anymore. I'm a young preacher at one time. Whenever the Lord calls you and you start getting on fire for the Lord, I don't know anybody in here might start doing something really great for the Lord. Don't let some old uh, Christian come in and try to ruin your party. And they will. When you start getting on fire for the Lord, you start really doing something. You'll be doing, man, sometimes the Lord will give you something to do that's so way out of the box that no other Christian's doing it. And you're like, man, Lord, did I really? And you just feel like the Lord's called you to do that. And you start doing it. And some old preacher will come up. Are you sure that's what you really should be doing? You're kind of embarrassing yourself. Don't let them talk you out of it. Amen. Do what the Lord's called you to do. We need more youth. We need some of that young blood in the church. And sometimes those old preachers, they, it's because the Lord's not using them, they get jealous. That old preacher was down there. Why didn't God call that old prophet? He didn't, he didn't have to bring that young prophet all the way down there to preach against Jeroboam. He could have told that old prophet, hey, get up and go down there and tell him this. Why didn't God do that? Because God knows he wouldn't do it. He's not going to preach God's words. He's long past doing that. Or he would have already have done that. Listen, guys, there's things going on in this country that some of us need to stand up and we need to speak out. And not be like that old prophet. We're sitting around like, we'll let somebody else do it. No, it's time for us to do it. Speak up. There's nothing wrong with speaking up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus saith the Lord for the Bible. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We need more of that. You say, well, I might offend somebody. Offend them. They don't mind offending you. I can't turn on... My TV, I can't pick up my phone, then I'm not offended every day. You know, it won't hurt that them be a little... The Lord Jesus Christ was not afraid to offend them. Don't you remember that? Matthew 15. The Lord's walking along and he says some stuff they don't like and Peter goes, Lord, don't you know you offended them? What did Jesus Christ say? Oh, did I really? Let me go run, run and hug them and kiss them and, and tell them how much I love them. No, that's not what the Lord said. Lord, don't you know you offend them? I'll let the blind lead the blind. They'll both fall in a ditch. Let's go, guys. That's exactly what he said. Let the blind lead the blind. They'll both fall in a ditch. Let's go. What? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he just basically said? Let the blind lead the blind. They're going to hell. Let them go. Let's go, guys. But see, today we're living in, you offended me. Oh, I need to solve. Oh, you're offended. Oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Don't apologize. Say, well, you're offended? I'm sorry, that's just the Bible. I'm not telling you any... Don't give your opinion, amen. Give the Bible. And if they're offended at the Bible, then let it lay. Let the Lord work on them. I'm just... I know it's the New Year's. Maybe we need to get going a little... We need to be a little bit more harder in the New Year for the Lord Jesus Christ. A little bit more bold for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, we're studying that in Galatians. Starting that in Acts, and what you'll find out in Acts, when Paul got saved, Paul was so wicked, Paul was so evil, that when Jesus Christ struck him down and saved him on the road to Damascus, when Paul rose up, you know what Paul started doing? He started being bold for Jesus Christ. So much so that in the book of Acts, it says that they would send him away. <laughs> You're causing too much trouble. Send him away. Send him back home. And then they'd go bring him back, and he'd stir up the pot again. You know what he was simply doing? Preaching Jesus Christ crucified. 
Peter and them were doing, the, the disciples, the other apostles were doing the same thing. They were arresting Peter and John, and they said, did we not strictly tell you, don't preach the name of Jesus? And what did Peter say? Should I obey man or should I obey God? I'm going to keep preaching Jesus. And he got whipped for it too, the Bible says. They beat him. They beat Peter. You know what Peter did after he got beat? He said, I'm mad at God that I got beat. You know what Peter did? No, Peter came out and said, praise God, I'm found worthy to be beat for the name of Jesus Christ. This old prophet, he sees this young man doing something for the Lord. He can't stand it. He's going to catch up with him. He's going to find him. Verse 14, he went and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. There's the first mistake, this young prophet. This young preacher makes a big mistake. He starts sitting idle. Uh, idle hands are the devil's workshop. That's true. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. If he wouldn't have been sitting, if he wouldn't have been sitting idly and he's kept going like he was told to do, that old prophet would have never caught him and he never would have had the mistake that he's about to make. He's about to make a grave mistake. Verse 15, then said, he, uh, said unto him, come home with me and eat bread. That's the old prophet. Well, he's already told the king he can't do that. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord. So this is God's words. Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he said unto him, this is the old prophet. Look at verse 18. He said unto him, I am a prophet, also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. Woo, that's interesting. Saying, bring him back with thee unto thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. And notice the very next statement. This is what I'm preaching on this morning. But he lied unto him. But he lied unto him. Brother Collins, do you mind praying over this sermon, please, brother? Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you here, Father Lord. We just know that you've kept words together, Father Lord, that there's a few more gathered together. You'll be there too, Father. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Lord, just be with us this morning as Brother Stephen brings us the word, Lord. Swing your holy Bible, Lord, and that the Father wouldn't cross on deaf ears, Lord, that the Father Lord would be patient, Lord, to use us and to further the kingdom of God. Yes, Lord. Lord, give us the focus, Father, Lord. Yes. When we get the chance to uh, give an account to the hope that lies within us, Father. Thank you for the visitors you sent our way, Lord. Father, we just pray that we might be a blessing unto them as they visit here. And, uh, Father, Lord, we just pray for those that couldn't be here. Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, Father. I pray for them. And Lay you know, your hand. Each and every night, pray each and every me. month, Father, me. Lord, that uh, you're here, Father, and me, we just Father. pray that you bless us all, Father, Yes. Lord. Yes. Thank you for his redeeming blood, Father. And Father, we just ask that, that you would bless each and every one here and be with the pastor and hide him behind the cross. Yes, Lord, please. Amen. Amen. But he lied to him, to him. He lied unto him. Do you know that preachers will lie to you? <laughs> Let me go a little step further. Not only will preachers lie to you, this preacher will lie to you. 
I'll lie to you. Preachers will lie to you. TV preachers will definitely lie to you. They'll lie to you. Why did this preacher lie to him? Why did this preacher lie to him? That's the question I have. Why would this preacher lie to him? Because it says in the very next verse, verse 19, this young preacher makes a grave mistake. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. He directly disobeyed what he knew to be the truth because that preacher lied to him. Why would preachers lie to you? Well, they lie to you to get their, just like the reason why everybody lies, for whatever reason, they lie to get their way. Some preachers will lie to get their way. Some preachers will lie to control you. I've seen and I've seen and been around preachers that will lie to people just so they can have keep control over the church, control over the assembly, control over the people. I've seen preachers lie about stuff to get that. Sometimes people, preachers just lie because they're misinformed. Some preachers lie because they just don't know the truth. You ever been around somebody who you ask them a question about something, they'll just tell you an answer even if they know the right answer or not? <laughs> oh, man, that's the most dangerous. I know, like, go ask him. Say, yeah, he'll give you an answer. It might not be the right answer, but he always has an answer. I've been around guys like that. They're dangerous. They always, if they don't even know it, they'll tell you how they know it, but they don't know. That's some preachers. They're just so ashamed to admit to say the word, I don't know, or I can't remember, or I don't know where that's at in the Bible. They'll just make up a lie and tell you a lie. I've been around preachers doing that before. I've made uh, dumb, uh, stupid statements from the pulpit out of ignorance. Not knowing this book and saying something I thought was truth about this word and then get to look it up and say, oh man, that's not what it says. There's times where I've quoted verses for years and years and years and years because I heard another preacher quoting the verse and then when I finally find the verse in the Bible, guess what? He was misquoting it. I'm not saying that he was lying in a sense that he was trying to deceive somebody, but he just didn't know, and he misquoted it, so it had me misquoted it to what I found. It's like, man, I've been misquoting that. That happens all the time. Some preachers lie because they're just full of the devil. This is a good New Year's Day message. Get you ready for the New Year's. Don't trust the preachers. Don't trust this preacher. Well, pastor, what am I doing then here? What am I doing here? You're, you should be trusting one thing, the Word of God right here. I'm lifting this thing up because it deserves to be lifted up. It's holy. Do you know this is the only holy thing you can hold in this whole earth? Jesus Christ already gone on to heaven. This is it, the Holy Bible, the Holy Word, God's Holy Word. is right here in this Bible right here. And he mistrusted the Word and took the Word of a lying preacher. Over the world. Well, how can I know what's true and what's, what's a lie? Well, how can I know what's true and what's a lie? You take God's word over a preacher's word. When you hear me preaching something that doesn't sound right to you, check it out. If you hear me preaching something that does sound right to you, check it out. If you hear me preach anything, you know what you're supposed to be doing? Checking it out. That's why I encourage y'all, when I get to preaching, I'll, and I try to stay on the book, I try to get you in a verse, try to get you in the Bible, try to get you in a certain place, I always try to tell you, hey, open up your Bible. If there's not one, you don't have one, put one grab one in front of you. Open it up, check it out. Make sure I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes, because it can happen. It happens all the time. He flat told him, I seen an angel, and an angel told me to come bring you in, but he lied. <laughs> A preacher will lie? Well, yeah, they'll lie. That's what happens with so many, and, and you hear this, the, the PKs. You ever heard that term PK? That's preacher kids. 
That's what people say. Oh, he's a preacher kid. You know him. He's wild or she's wild. She's a preacher's kid. They always make fun of preacher's kids. They don't understand what the preacher kid goes through. The preacher kid sits out there, just like you're sitting out there, and they see the Lord God move on their dad and use their dad in a spiritual way. And then they go home and they see the other side of their dad. That's not the spiritual side. And they don't know how to handle that. And it takes us getting some gray in our hair before we start realizing there's two sides to every person. I'm going to show that to you. Everybody in this room has got two natures. And if you don't have two natures, it's because you're lost going to hell. If you're saved in this room and you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you have two natures. You have two natures. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and he drank water. The young man knows what God said. It says there in verse 16 and 17, we read it. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord there in verse 17. This young preacher knows what God said, but he took the preacher's words over God's words. Don't ever do that. Don't ever take a preacher's words over what God's word says. Your final authority is not what Indian Gap Baptist says. Your final authority is not what the Baptist Convention says. Your final authority is not what this preacher says. Your, your final authority is not what any preacher says. Your final authority is what the Bible say. Thus saith the Lord. What does the word of God say? You're so blessed in this generation. You've got the word of God in your lap. Most of us have multiple, multiple, multiple copies of the word of God sitting at home. There was a time centuries ago that wasn't true. The only Bible they had was a big, huge Bible that was chained, chained to the pulpit. So nobody would come in and steal it. It was chained to the pulpit. Nobody could take it away. And they would preach from that Bible. If you wanted God's word, you had to go up to the church and go behind the pulpit and look at the Bible. God has blessed each and every one in here that you've got his words at the tip of your tongue. You've got his words right there. You don't have to rely on what some preacher says. you got his words. Praise God. So how do you know if he's lying or telling the truth? What does the Bible say? Check the verses. I've done that multiple times. Somebody tell me something. I say, well, that's in the, where's that at in the Bible? Oh, it's in there. No, no. I mean, where is it at? Well, it's in there. But what chapter and verse? You say, what do, they, what do you do if they don't tell you a chapter and verse? I don't believe it. I had an argument one time with a young lady that was arguing with me that babies go to purgatory. I said, where's that in the Bible? Oh, it's in there. It's not in there. Yes, it is. I said, no, it's not. Yes, it is. So then what's the argument? I, how am I going to go through, uh, you know, 1,500 pages until we find where it's not, Right? The, the, point, the point is, it's on you to show me where it's at for me to believe that. So I kept pressing her. I said, well, show me. Just show what, general, what book is it in, and I'll find it. I don't know. I don't know. You know what her final answer was? Well, just, just, that's what my grandmother told me. Hmm. Well, what am I going to say to that? Your grandmother's a liar? You know, I'll get slapped, beat, whipped. Well, you know what the truth is? Your grandmother don't know what she's talking about. That's not in there. That's not in here. Ask for a chapter. Ask for a verse. Here's another thing. Study your Bible. Study your Bible. You know what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15? Study the show that self approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You're commanded, everybody in this room is commanded to study this book. Find it. Read it. Study it. Not just read it, but study it. 
And I, I hope that and pray that's what you're doing this morning. You got up this morning, you could have stood in, stayed in bed. You probably had a long night because of New Year's Eve. But you chose, and praise God, you chose, said, I want to know more about Jesus Christ. I want to know more about this Bible, so I'm going to go, my, go up to church and see what I can find out. Praise God for that. And you will be blessed for that. But I can't give you enough in a 45-minute sermon to last you a lifetime. You need to study it and read it yourself. The best advice I can give you is to, is to take your Bible and to read it, read it yourself. And divine revelation. What about divine revelation? Look at that. Look at verse uh, 18. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art, and an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. An angel told me this. This angel came down and told Well, he, you know, he, the Bible says he lied. He lied. But what if it did happen? What do you do then? What if an angel came down and told you something? You know what Paul said about this? Paul said about this in Galatians 1.8. He said, but though, we, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than we, than we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He said, if you walked out the back of these doors of Indiana Baptist Church and there was an angel floating in the sky and this angel tells you something that's not in this Bible, it doesn't line up with the Bible, then that angel is a liar and don't believe it. Now some of y'all are not going to understand that. Some of you are not going to believe that. But that's what the Bible says, right? And that's, what the, that's the truth through and through. You know how, you, you see how many millions of Mormons there are all over the world? Millions of them. If you go up to, you go up to northeast, the, the, it's just Mormon country. The Church of the Latter-day Saints, whatever you want to call them. That's, they're all up in there. There are millions of them all over the world. You know how that whole thing got started? That whole big rigmarole of a cult got started? Because one man said he saw an angel named Moroni, and that angel gave him these golden tablets. And it took millions and millions and millions of people and sent them straight to hell. Because it's a different gospel. And Paul warned us, but though we, me, Kigan Hall, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. I should be cursed if I preach you any other gospel than Jesus Christ crucified, died for your sins, and that you take that by faith and you'll get saved. That's the gospel. And that's not the Mormon gospel. They put works in there. And they get that, where did they get that from? The angel Moroni. The angel Moroni showed up and gave the tablets to Joseph. Do you believe that happened? It might have really happened. There might have really been an angel. But it wasn't an angel from God. How many mi millions and maybe a billion Muslims are there in the world? You know what Muhammad claimed? Gabriel, the angel Gabriel came down and gave him all his revelations. 600-winged angel named Gabriel came down and gave him all his revelations. How many people did that angel Gabriel send to hell? By the, almost a billion. Who are you going to believe? The angel or the word of God? See, some of y'all don't get it. I think I can see it. Some of y'all don't get it. You know what the Bible says? 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now listen to me, guys. If you listen to anything this morning, listen to this, because this will help you understand what's going on in the world today. 
This is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. And no marvel, now listen, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. If you walked out the back of these doors and an angel of light is floating up in the sky and starts giving you this revelation, and you say, well, I go back, it doesn't, it doesn't jive up with what the Bible says, but I've seen the angel. I'm here to tell you that's probably an angel of the devil. Satan himself is transformed as an angel of light. He appears wonderful, he appears beautiful, but it'll send you to hell. Take God's word over everything and everybody. That's how the devil, is, the Antichrist, is going to deceive the whole world. And supposed, supposed Christians, they're not really Christians. When the devil shows up, the Antichrist shows up, and I believe he'll show up as an alien. He's not an alien, but he'll show up as an alien. He'll come down in an alien ship. He'll step out. He'll be from another planet. He'll give us all this great truth that he's given us. But that truth won't line up with this Bible. And I'm here to tell you, if you're, not in, if you're in here this morning and you're not saved, and I'm raptured out of here and the Antichrist shows up, you better get into this book right here. It's this book and nothing else. Look at verse 18. Well, look at verse 19. So he went back, this young, pre this young preacher went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. If I was just to give you that verse right there and say, hey, look at verse 19, first, and if you didn't know anything of what the context is, you're saying there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing evil with that. And you're right, there's nothing evil with that. But you've got to understand, this is how subtle, this is how subtle, brothers and sisters, listen to me, this is how subtle the devil can be. He can make you do the right thing at the wrong time. The devil is so subtle. He tried to do this to Jesus in the wilderness. He was telling Jesus to do stuff that wasn't the time for Jesus to do it. And he said, well, if you're the son of God, it says here that you'll do this. And Jesus said, you'll not tempt the Lord thy God. He quoted scripture at him. Go back and read that. When the devil attacked Jesus Christ, the son of God, his only answer was, it is written. The devil attacks him again. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. The devil comes and attacks him again, and Jesus Christ says, it is written. What makes you think you're more powerful than Jesus Christ? Listen to me, brothers and sisters. You need to know this book so you can't get fooled by the lying preachers. Amen. It's a New Year's. It's a perfect time to get to know this book better. You say, Pastor, I don't even know where to begin. Well, the truth is, I didn't either. We've got these charts right here that will take you through the Bible in a year. And it gives you every day, it tells you how much of your Bible to read starting January 1st. You can take this home today and it tells you to read chapters 1 through 3. If you'll follow this chart right here, you will read through your Bible in one full year. There's an actress name. Uh, what's that actress's name? I think her name is... Easton, I think, but she played the, the wife on the, the TV show, The Middle. Is that the show? Eaton. Her last name's Eaton. What was that? Patricia Eaton. But she played the wife in the, the TV show, Middle. Anybody watch any of that? She was bragging that she had finally had read through the whole Bible in one year. She got a chart like this, and she is reading through the whole Bible in one year. 
She got kicked out of Hollywood because she didn't agree with the, Hollywood didn't agree with abortion, and they kicked her out. But she was talking about bragging about it. Hey, that's something to brag about. Reading the Bible is not going to be easy. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you like, hey, just read the Bible. It's going to go really smooth because you're going to get into Chronicles. Everything's going to go good for a couple of books. And then you're going to get into Chronicles, and you're going to go, this is boring. And you know what? You're right. It is boring. You say, well, then why did God put all this stuff in there? Because it ties directly to one man named Jesus Christ. Say, it's a genealogy that ties into Jesus Christ? Yes. Why? What? Because he's the son of God. He's the most important person in the universe, Jesus Christ. This book's all about Jesus Christ. And what's amazing as a Christian, when you start reading this book and you start reading in Genesis, you'll be right reading along a, a page or two and you'll go like, huh, that, that's, that reminds me of Jesus. You read a couple months, that's, that reminds me of Jesus. That, you'll see Jesus from the beginning all the way to the end. It's amazing. But you've got to read it. This is an amazing book. I remember when I first... Uh, was called uh, to start teaching Sunday school. I was a Christian for a while, and they, started, they called me to start teaching Sunday school, and I didn't know, I, I ran from it, I didn't want to do it. And I remember that I, was, I got worried. I said, man, I'm going to open up this Bible, I'm going to start studying, I'm going to find all these errors, what am I going to do, how am I going to answer all these errors? You know what I found out? I didn't find errors, I found out that this book was amazing. And the times that they thought they were errors, the times I thought I found errors, it was me, I was in the error. Not this. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's what the Bible says. And if you don't think you can read through the Bible in a year, I've got, we've got these, uh, Wade, our piano player, designed these Bible charts here. They're chapter-by-chapter chapter reading charts. And what they do is they, let, they give you every chapter of the Bible is in, these, is in this chart book here. And what you do is you just pick whatever. If you want to start in John or wherever you want to start, you just pick and you just mark, you know, I've read that chapter and you just mark it out. It doesn't tell you how much to read. It, tell, it helps you keep track of how much you have read. That's what makes this chart so good. And if it takes you two years, takes you three years, fine. But you'll get the whole Bible because you'll want to mark every box on here. And then you'll know, hey, I've, I've read every part of the Bible. If you've never read the Bible, the best place to start reading your Bible is in the Gospel of John. Just take the, just 21 chapters. Say, I'm going to read a chapter a day. Every day, I'm going to get up. Best time to read is in the morning. Get up, and I'm going to read a chapter of John. Just read the Gospel of John and see about Jesus Christ. See what Jesus Christ don't speak to your heart about. You'll be blessed. Christian, what's the problem with Christians today is they're not reading their Bible enough. And what they're doing is they're taking the words of the world and the world, words of a lying preacher over the words of God. And their lives are getting destroyed. Their souls are saved. I didn't say they're going to hell. I didn't say nothing like that. Their souls are saved. They're going to heaven. But their lives are destroyed and they're fruitless and they're worthless for Jesus Christ because they're not following his words anymore. And they started listening to the old preachers. They need to start listening to the words of God. Look at verse 20. And it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. This is amazing. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah saying, Thus saith the Lord. For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hast eaten bread, and drunk water in the place of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread, and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. So you're going to die. Now who's, that's the Lord speaking to this young prophet, by the old prophet that just lied to him. Here's a great truth, brothers and sisters, and if, 
I hope you get this. Every preacher, just like I said earlier about every one of you, every preacher has two natures. They got the old man living in here, and they got the new man, Jesus Christ, created. So, I've been around preachers all my life. I'm not saying I was saved all my life, but I've been around preachers all my life. And I've, I know a preacher that could get behind a pulpit, and he could preach like Elijah and John the Baptist. I mean, one of the most amazing preachers I ever heard. If there was only one preacher you had to heal here to get saved or not get saved, I'd, make, I'd let you hear this preacher. And I'm not going to name his name because I name his name. You know who he is. But I know the man personally. Now, he's gone on to be with the Lord, so I can say this. I know the man personally. I was under him personally. I know him very well. When that man would step out from behind this pulpit, oh, man, he embarrassed me in a hundred different ways. He embarrassed God in a different, a million different ways. He wasn't a very good man. That's the old man. That's the old nature. And he was letting the old nature run his life. But when he got up there and God would use him, man, he could win the world to Jesus Christ. See, that's the old prophet and the new prophet. The old prophet at one time was a good preacher probably. He was probably called. He probably followed God's words when he got away from that. And he even got to a point where he would lie to a young preacher just to get his way. And he got, he got the young preacher in the house. And when he got the young preacher in the house, then God used him to preach at the young preacher. I'm telling you, I've been around some men that aren't very good men, but you get them behind the pulpit and they start preaching, and God uses them. And the world don't like that. And I'm here to tell you, I don't have any choice in that. God does what he wants to do. Amen? I know, if anybody can say that, I can say that. I'm a trash man. I run a trash truck. And now I've moved up a little bit, and guess what? I'm the king of the trash trucks. What does that make me? That makes me worthless. Why are you listening to me? Why does it matter to me? I was a high school dropout. What, I'm not college educated. I went to Bible school for about a year and a half. That doesn't give me any authority to do the things I'm doing. And why are you doing it? Because the Lord's using me. I can't explain it. He just uses me. But then sometimes Keaton comes out behind here. I'm going to say some stuff that's not right. I'm going to do some stuff that's not right. I have a million times. You're going to have to just forgive me. It's just a dual nature. But we all have that. And we got to try to keep it up. As a preacher, I should be more concerned in keeping this old nature under control. It's shown real vividly here in these next verses. Look at verse 23. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. So they get through eating, so he's sending that young prophet back home. And look at verse 24. And when he was gone, the young prophet, a lion, met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. So he's on that ass, and he's riding along, and this rawr, the lion comes out of the woods and just eats him. Kills him. Doesn't eat him. Excuse me. Kills him. Kills him right there. But what's strange about it, according to the word of God, is when he dies, then the ass just stays right there. That donkey just stays right there. And that lion, he's sitting on the other side, and there's that dead body right there. That's a really strange thing. You'd think that lion would go ahead and kill that ass, and, but God has them stay right there. They stood by it. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. See, what you have in top here is you have everything that we're dealing with, brothers and sisters. 
All of us in here have two natures. It's the spirit versus the flesh. The spirit is represented by the lion. The flesh is represented by the ass, and, we're, it, and your body, that carcass is your body, your flesh. And every day, everybody in this room is fighting one or the other. And you're letting one of the, you're either, either letting the lion run your life, that's the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit run your life, or you're letting the old nature, the ass, run your life, one or the other. You're either making an ass out of yourself, or you're letting the lion run your life. That's one or the other. It's hard preaching, it's straight preaching, but that's what it is. That's what's going on in everybody's life in here. And we need to be conscious of that and know, hey, I need to let the line run my life and stop letting this ass right here run my life. Because what will happen is, according to Paul, God will destroy you. I'm not talking about your salvation. But, God, but Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, you got God living in you, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. See, when you got Christ in you, the hope of glory, praise God, you're going to heaven. Now Christ is in you, and it, he expects us to be holy. But we get away from that. And we start letting the flesh dwell. And we start letting the flesh work. And we, you're feeding one or the other all day long. The best way to feed the Spirit is by reading the Word. Best way to feed the flesh is to pick up your phone, watch TV, listen to the world, find out what's going on. You're feeding your flesh. You're feeding your flesh. You're feeding your flesh. Every time you pick up this Bible and read God's words, you're feeding the Spirit. You're feeding the Spirit. See, a lot of us in here have lines that are just about starved to death. Laying over in the middle of the cage, and you come over there and you can say, dumb old lion, you kick that old lion, it's so, it's so tired, it's so weak, it doesn't have enough energy even to roar at you. It's so tired because we haven't been feeding it. And that old donkey over here, it'd kick you and beat you and could jump over a fence because we keep feeding it. And it might destroy you. You've got to be careful. Going against God's words. So important. But notice he says there in verse 26, as I'm, I'm closing up, he clo in verse 26, it is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of God and to the word of the Lord. Why was he disobedient? Because you lied to him, you old preacher. That's amazing that he says that. The old preacher says he was disobedient because you lied to him. He doesn't have any problem with it. He's not conscious. He doesn't have any repentance. He's, I shouldn't have lied to him. No, you lied to him and now he's dead. And therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord which he spake unto him. Do you know God's word? I know a lot of y'all do. You know God expects more out of you than anybody else? He didn't kill that old preacher. The old preacher's the one that lied. Isn't that what the word says? But he lied. The old preacher lied. Did God kill the lion preacher? He killed the man that should know better. I told you, you knew, you had your word, you knew, you knew. We're expecting, this, the Lord expects more out of us. And he should, because we know more. We've been, we've, God's given us more. It's a blessing, brothers and sisters, but in another way it's a curse, because God's going to expect more out of you. And that's okay, because Jesus Christ is worthy of everything we do. And he's giving you rewards. He's working through you, but then rewarding you up in heaven. That's amazing. Verse 27, let's finish this story up. And he spake to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. 
And he went and found his carcass casting the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass nor torn the ass. It's strange. The lion hadn't done nothing. What's that doing? That's God showing that he's wanting to make a point that this guy didn't do what I told him to do, and he's making a point. He didn't follow my words. He followed the words of a lying preacher. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God, this is verse 29, and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. Yeah, yeah, my brother, you killed him by lying to him. Oh, my brother, oh, oh, my brother, oh, yeah, yeah. You lied to him, and you got him killed. And it came to pass after he had buried him that he spake to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. He wants to be buried with this young preacher. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel, and against all the houses of the high places which in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. The worst part about lying preachers is they have no remorse of what they're doing. Remember what Jesus Christ dealt with this? Jesus Christ said, y'all, yeah, y'all say, y'all Pharisees say, well, if we were in the times of our fathers, we wouldn't have killed the prophets. <laughs> Jesus Christ said, you not only would have killed the prophets, you would have killed more of them. You're two times, you, make two, you make them two times the children of hell. Jesus didn't have anything nice to say to them because they were lying prophets, just like this guy. I'm here to warn you, brothers and sisters, you need to get into this book, you need to read this book, whatever, however you need to do it, in whatever way you need to do it, you need to get a hold of the Bible, you need to read it. And get to know it. So when somebody tries to pull the wool over your eyes, it won't work. You're saying, you know what? Show me the Bible. Show me the Bible where that's at. I'm not going to believe it. Until you can say, thus saith the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Father, for this book. Lord, I thank you for the women and the men, Lord God, that bled and died to get this book into our hands, Lord God. And Father, please forgive us for not reading it. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ 
It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.